Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. Hello, my name's Dick Loon, and we lived in Cheney, well, halfway between Spokane and Cheney, and I was 50% owner of a mechanical and electrical engineering firm in Spokane. But when I was four, we had lived on the Snake River on a farm for six months until the owner of the farm told my dad that the farm was only big enough for one family, so we had to move to Spokane. So we always liked Snake River country. So in the latter half of the 90s, it became possible for me to start buying some property down here in the Soton County. And it got to the point where I thought, maybe we can run a cattle ranch, my son and I. So (laughs) in 2004, I sold my 50% share of the engineering firm, and came down here to prepare the way for Levi and Stacy to move down in three years after that and become cattle ranchers. So, December 6th, Monday, 2004, I drove down from Spokane to become, begin my first day as a full-time cattleman. And we had 85 cows down here at the time that I would check every Saturday, but this was going to be the first time that I could do it not having to worry about my business. So I went to my corral, got my horse, put the saddle on, and reached for the bridle. And I couldn't grab it. And I tried again, and I couldn't grab it. And it was a bad flu season that year, and I thought, man, I must have the flu not realizing that you don't go from perfectly well to the flu in a half a second. I never could get it, so, and then I couldn't get the saddle off of him. So finally I I just let him go and drove back to the house and went to bed. And then at six that night, I got up and crabbed my way down the hall, bouncing off of each wall. If you're ever without balance, it's good to be six foot four. (laughs) And called my wife, Marcia, and said, I was supposed to be back in Spokane because I had one more bit of business to do on Tuesday. I said, I've got the flu really bad. I'm not coming home. Maybe tomorrow. And hung up and crabbed my way back to the bedroom. Three hours later, she walked through the door because she didn't like the way I sounded gave me some flu medicine, and I spent a terrible night. Um, I don't know if you've ever had your, your everything hurt so bad, including your, your toenails and your fingernails feel like they hurt. That's what that night was like. We got up the next morning, and I told her the same thing. I must have the flu. Just take me home. But she took me to a clinic in Cheney, and they sent me directly to Sacred Heart Hospital in Spokane. And that's the last thing I remember for two days. On Thursday, after I'm told about 52 CAT scans and MRIs and every other test they could figure because all the damage had been done already, a neurologist comes in Thursday afternoon and said, well, we've finally been able to determine that you had a stroke and there's five areas of brain damage. And those are great words to hear. (laughs) You know, lop off my leg, but my brain? 
And he says, we're going to send you to a rehab hospital for a couple weeks, and they'll teach you how to walk again. Because I hadn't been out of bed for three days. So they sent me to rehab hospital, and, you know, they wheel me into my room in a wheelchair, and this orderly who's about six foot six and 350 pounds comes in and straps one of those big wide belts around me and says, we're going to go for a walk. And he jerks me up and he drags me down three hallways and back to my room and plops me on my bed. And just as I'm about to say, I'll never walk again, will I? He says, that went pretty well. So I, I spent two weeks in the, in the rehab hospital. One other story from it, Marcia would come some afternoons to see how my rehab was going and sneak out from work. And one time they took me up to a room with, with two other guys and tacked to the wall was a, a Nerf basketball hoop. If you know what a Nerf basketball, they're little foam basketballs and the hoop was about that big. And I played basketball all through college, so... Basketball was kind of my game. And so they said, you're going to play a game of pig. And if you know what horse is, you know, you shoot a basket and the next person has to make the basket or they get a letter. And as soon as you spell the, the word, you've lost. So we're only going to play pig. So after about 30 minutes, I won. And I'm celebrating, you know. And Marcia comes over and whacks me on the head and says... You just beat a double amputee, and the other guy's paralyzed on the right side from his <laughs> stroke. Shut up and sit down. She had a lot of sympathy. So I had to wait till I was back to my room, and she went back to work to finish my celebration. So after two weeks, they, they just charged me to home just before Christmas. And then for three months or so, I would go back for outpatient rehabilitation as they taught me how to walk and work with my dizziness and, and everything. And finally about, and then in June I could drive again and by midsummer I could do some, some things again. So that's, that's the physical story. But we're in church, so there must be something about God, huh? Nope, that's it. <laughs> Let me tell you about what God did. If the stroke would have occurred an hour and a half earlier, I'd have been driving down the Lewiston grade. And who knows where I would have ended up. If it would have occurred 45 minutes earlier, I'd have been driving up the Lewiston, I mean the Soton grade. Same thing. Nobody knows what would have happened. If it would have happened a half hour later, I would have been on my horse, down in the canyon, looking for cows, falling off the horse, and who knows when somebody would have found me and what condition I would have been in. So it's like God said, all right, Dick's body, you can have a stroke, but it's going to be in this narrowly confined time frame. And you know, I, I told you I drove back to the house after trying to saddle my horse, well, my sister Mary came up a couple days later to unsaddle the horse, and she looked at my pickup. I think she drove it, but it was a four-door pickup, so it had a back seat. And the driver's seat was folded all the way flat, like I'd been laying down flat. Not very good position to drive in. 
So my only belief is that an angel sat on my lap and drove me back to the house. I have no other explanation because I have no memory of it. So then that, that Thursday after the, the neuro, neurologist tells me I've had a stroke and brain damage, I'm laying there and then the worry starts. God, I've got 85 cows down here. They're going to start calving the 1st of March and I can't lift my head off the pillow. What am I going to do? And God says, I've got you right where I want you. He says, you know, all those 30 years of teaching Sunday school and leading a business and doing all those leadership things, and you told people how God can be trusted, God could be relied on, and you spent all your time trying to prove that you could do it yourself? I go, yeah. He says, I'm going to tell, I'm going to show you how right you were. You didn't know how right you were. And then he said, remember the cowboy? Our God knows everything. So that June, he'd had a cowboy drive in on a Saturday when I was down here to the house and said, I work for your neighbor. And he pointed a couple canyons over and he said, he only has work enough for me for about 16 days a month. So if, if you have some days that you could use me, I would really appreciate that. And the first thought that goes through my mind is, I've waited all this time to be a cattleman. I don't need no help. And I'm sure God's up there laughing and say, wait till December, dude. <laughs> so I, I used him twice, once to work calves and once to move the cows to, to winter pasture. So on that Thursday in the hospital, I'm laying on my bed and I tell my dad, call that neighbor at Tell that cowboy what's happened and see if he can work for me. So that cowboy calved out all the cows, did everything for six or eight months, just took care of everything while I laid in bed, basically. God knew. But, you know, there's, there's lots of bills from hospitals and doctors and Hafting to hire things that done that I would have done myself. But along come August, we got an extra little bit of money that we weren't expecting. So I, like a dummy, I'm planning again. Thinking, this is what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to pay some bills. We're going to get our heads above water again. September, that cowboy comes and says, your neighbor has sold his land, and I have to move to Montana unless you can... Hire me full-time. Hmm. He says, this is what I want for salary. It was a pretty small salary. And you have a single-wide home down there on the property, and I would like to live in it. Guess how much the salary was? Exactly what that unexpected money was coming, starting but that was the easy part. I hate being a landlord, and so for that single wide, I had hired a company in Lewiston to manage it, so I didn't even have to talk to the renters. They just would send me the check every month. So I spent a sleepless night telling God, how, I don't want to 
tell people they have to move out? What am I going to do? But this seems to be your plan. So I called the management company the next morning, and they said, as soon as I explained what I needed them to move them out, she said, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. These are the worst renters in the whole world. I'll be out there in an hour with their eviction notice. <laughs> okay, Lord. And so the cowboy worked for us for the next seven years and taught us lots of things and did it end well? No. Did he ever respond to my talks about God? No. Did we part on good terms? No. But you know what? An imperfect tool in the hands of the perfect God can be used forever what he needs. Even if that person has no idea they're being used by God. And I will be forever grateful to our Father, even though it, the last couple of years with that guy were really, really tough. But, you know, in the first four months of my, after my stroke, I couldn't pray. Because if I had my eyes open, my brain was just literally, it said, you're looking at a bench, you're looking at the wall. It, and if I closed my eyes, Nothing existed. It was wonderful for sleep. Lay down at 9 o'clock, close my eyes, no dreams, no nothing. 8 o'clock the next morning, boom, wake up, perfectly rested. But I couldn't pray because when I, I couldn't even think of God. So when my brain was healing a little bit, I, I told him, God, I'm so sorry. I, I haven't been able to pray, and thank you for everything you've done. And he came and he said, Dick, you know the verse that says, the Holy Spirit prays for you with utterings and groanings that cannot be heard. He said, I've heard every word you've wanted to pray these four months. And then a couple months later, I'm just telling him, Lord, I don't deserve all these blessings. And I give him a list of my shortcomings. and Unfortunately, he agrees with me <laughs> and says, you're right. You don't deserve this. But he says, you know the verse that says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more does your heavenly Father know how to give good gifts? He said, Dick, I've just been having fun blessing you. And that changed my whole perception of God. Do you know that our Heavenly Father wants to have fun with us. And so now, when I'm driving down the road, we talk about clouds. We talk about calves. We talk about green grass. We talk about just having good, th good times together. You know, just think of that. I'll quit talking with my hands. If you had a friend and all you ever did with that friend was ask for things... How long would that friend be? But think of your friends and how you react and how you do those good things. Our God is so good. Our God is so good. If you had a couple hours, I would take you through the next eight years, ten years of God's blessings. But just suffice it to say that 
every January 1st, it does not make economic sense to make it to the end of December. But God figures it out. God does it. And one, and one of the one of the causes that happened from my brain damage was that I would have irrational fear. The kind that says everything's going to fall apart, nothing's going to be good. You, you might as well go walk off a cliff. So naturally my wife made me tell the doctor that and they put me on a prescription. And I took it for eight years, up until two years ago. And I told Marcia, you know, I don't like some of these side effects that come with this medicine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit it. And she agreed, so I told the doctor, and he agreed. So two years ago, I went off that medicine. And the fear has returned, not as bad, but she still works in Spokane, so I can afford to keep losing money as a cattle rancher. <laughs> and every time she leaves Sunday afternoon, that fear comes back. Not as bad, and God and I can handle it. And if there's something that's going to happen two or three weeks from now on the ranch, we can pray without ceasing and, and get there. But things I am not prepared for are, are pretty tough. So, March 15th, pastor asked me if I would tell my story. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll think about it and pray about it. But then March 28th, I'm in the farm credit bank. And see, we have a, a revolving line of credit that we can access every year. And that last year was the first year that we had gotten one. I'd always had one in my engineering company, and if there was a balance at the end of the term of the loan, you could just roll it over into the next year. So that's what I was assuming I could do with this one, because I had a balance remaining. And I asked the loan officer at the Farm Credit Bank in February, and she said, yes, you can do that. So I'm in there two weeks after Pastor asked me this, and I ask her again, and she says, no, you have 10 days to pay that balance. And then the branch manager walks in and said, I don't have all your financials in again, but it does not look like we can renew the line of credit for next year. Ah. So I go out to the parking lot, and I call Marcia. And I'm just sobbing because it's, there's nothing that my brain can do. And after 10 seconds, she says, who is this? <laughs> I'd forgotten, and she hadn't been used to hearing my sobbing voice. But she, she, is, she was wonderful. She just told me, well, God will figure it out. We'll figure it out. And I called Levi. Levi was calm and wonderful, and we figured out some more stuff. And that Thursday then, I came down, and I came in to see Cliff, and I told him what had happened and that there was no way I could give this talk because that episode 
plowed deep furrows of shame and doubt in my mind. And, and there's nobody in the world who has less right to doubt God than me. And I felt ashamed. So I could not give that talk. And he said, well, yeah, I think the Baptists are looking for some new people. So, <laughs> No, he was really good. And we prayed and that helped the healing begin as well. And by, by April 10th, I had the money gathered and I went in to pay, paid it off with the loan officer and the branch manager walks in and he said, I've got all your stuff that looks good. You want more money this year? So, I have never prayed to be healed because I learned so much from God since my stroke. And I've, I've told people, if, if God would take me back to December 5th and say, you can have the stroke or you, you don't have to have the stroke, you decide, I would tell God... I want the stroke because I've learned so much about you. But this time it hurt too much. And so I prayed, God, can you heal that part of my brain? And he said, so the plan would be that you wouldn't have any worries and you'd go back to controlling your life and you wouldn't have to talk to me very much anymore. I go, yeah, sounds like a pretty good plan to me. <laughs> he says, nope, it's not going to happen. He says, I like you with you knowing that you have to rely on me every hour of every day. Our God is good. Our God is so good. And I'm about 42nd. I reckon if the Baptists will uh, turn loose of you, Dick, we'll take you back, okay? Dick is my friend. And uh, when he showed up at my office and said, um, I, can't, I can't talk, we had to have a, a long conversation that day. I think it was worth waiting for, Dick, for you to come to the place of further reliance upon him. And I'm grateful that you shared with us yours and Marcia's story today. Friends, uh, Dick has walked with the, the Lord since he was this big. He was, he's a churchman. He was born in the church and raised in the church to be a guy who helps make church happen. But it was through hardship and suffering and lack that he learned about this great, big, powerful, loving, kind, heavenly father. I, uh, I, I haven't suffered like that in my life. And so I don't know that I could honestly say to you yet what Dick said. 
I had to go through it all again, I would for the pleasure of knowing you, Lord, the way that I do. I sat with, uh, with Brooke Schatz weeks ago in the hospital, banged up, busted up, no uh, guarantees at that point about even getting to keep his leg. He said, Pastor, if I could undo the accident, I wouldn't because of how I've come to know God through my suffering. I'm not going to be the guy who encourages you all to start praying for suffering so that you can know the Lord. I'll just tell you this. If you, can, if you live past sundown today, you're probably going to get your share of difficulty in life. But I have it uh, at the word of some reliable witnesses, like Brooke, like Dick and Marcia, that God can be trusted even with heartache and illness and accidents to bring good to us and to other people and to teach us that he really is the kind of God who can be relied upon. I want to encourage you today, if you are suffering, if your heart is heavy and burdened in the ways that that Dick described his, over financial difficulties and, and work and all of those things, I want to encourage you to do two things. Number one, just tell the Lord, because he's a big boy. He can handle your complaints, and, and he invites us to come and speak to him about the things that weigh us down. I'd also encourage you to spe- speak to Dick and Marcia, because they too can look you in the eye and say, God is good, and he's good enough to get you through this. And uh, you'll, also, you'll also gain a couple of friends who will pray you through the hard stuff in your life.